0: Hello and welcome back to the Public Eye Business Podcast brought to you by Granite Exchange. I'm your host, Sarah Travers, and throughout this series, I'm speaking with local entrepreneurs and business owners to learn more about how their companies have come to be, to gain insight into their growth, and find out how they continue to innovate. So wherever you get your podcasts from, remember to keep an eye out for all new episodes and subscribe to stay up to date. Well today in the studio I'm joined by Francesca Morelli, Director and Co-Founder of Vava Influence. Francesca how are you? I'm good thank you Sarah, how are you? I'm great thank you, I can't wait to get into our conversation but before we begin I'm just going to give a little bit of background to the listeners on Francesca and her business. Vava Influence is a dedicated social media influencer agency designed to strategically connect businesses with a relevant social media influencer or blogger to drastically improve their business's reach and exposure. Francesca and her business partner Chloe work alongside business owners and marketing managers to engage their strong portfolio of over 200 social media influencers from across Northern Ireland, ROI and London with the best fit talent for their clients' brands to form quality campaigns. Vava Influence create tailored strategies to help brands and products be seen and be noticed by highly targeted and highly engaged audiences. They ensure that each campaign is carried out just how their clients want it, balancing influencer creativity with client control. So Francesca, you are in the realms of a world that still fascinates me and is a little bit a little bit out there. But I want to start somewhere else, if that's okay, because your name is Francesca Morelli and I'm from Port Stewart, so I know that the name Morelli means ice cream. So you're from
1: the Morelli ice cream family? Yes, that's right. i um, very lucky to have been born and raised in a family business background. And I suppose growing up, and I was asked by someone else about this this morning, about how growing up in family business, what it taught me and, and everything I learned. And th- there were so many skills um, th- that I learned working in my family business and kind of growing up in that um, environment that equipped me so well for my career now. But Funny enough, I get asked all the time, was it because of your family business background and being surrounded by this entrepreneurial spirit that encouraged you to start up your own business? And actually, that couldn't be less the case. (laughs) Um, When I was growing up, I feel like I saw my parents work very long hours. I saw the stress. I saw the pressure of running your own business, despite, I mean, we're very lucky in that ours would be quite well known and um, we we have a good reputation and all the rest and a great product. But I was always I suppose discouraged from going into business myself, knowing the commitment and I suppose the the difficulty of doing so but and did you um, work
0: in the business at all? I did.
1: I worked in the business from I was fourteen right up until I was maybe about twenty. Mm. Um so it was summer shifts and over the holidays and weekends. But um you know, I, I really enjoyed it for the most part and my, my sister and my brother have been the same. I mean, we really didn't have much of a choice. <laughs> you
0: just had to. And I, I always think of your mum and your dad, you would always see them there. They were always working, working, working. But I suppose that has an impact on family life too, doesn't it? It's hard to hard to get the balance right when you have such a successful business like Morelli's.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, we always had a lot of child minders growing up, but I suppose it just taught me the value of work ethic and uh, that you had to work hard if you wanted to see the rewards. I mean, yes, they worked very hard, but we we were so lucky to have gone away on lovely holidays and I knew that that was a direct result of how hard my parents worked and still do.
0: And I know this isn't about Morellis here today, but so you didn't want to continue in the business, you wanted to do something yourself. So what happened next?
1: Well, it's not that I didn't want to continue in it, I just feel like there was a, a gap maybe between where I was at in my life and maybe that my dad still continues to work there. So I'm definitely not ruling it out of my future. Ah. Uh, but I was very keen to go away and get my degree uh, so, I went to Queen's and I studied international business with French. And as part of that degree, I uh, was required to spend a year in France uh, working in a placement. So, I spent a year in Paris and I found myself in the startup scene. At that point, when I was going away, I really barely even knew what a startup was. So, what year would that have been? That was in 2017 18. And so, I worked in a group of startups, and it was all very unusual to me because In the family business background, I'm used to us making a scone for 50p and selling it for 150 in your profits per pound. But in a startup environment, especially in tech startups, you're working and building something for years and years with the view of acquisition. And so this is a whole new world to me and I just find it fascinating. Not to sound very millennial about it, but I loved how it was such a small team and I was really making a very visible impact on the business uh, because in early stages, obviously, a very small team and everything you do has to really contribute to the bigger picture. So, found myself in startups, and then when I came home, I joined another startup team, which then kind of led to me getting into my own startup and um, and starting my business from there. So, and Queens
0: was was really beneficial. They were great to give you to sow those seeds about startups. I remember um, watching your career. Uh, maybe when you when you came back and you help others then know how to build a business from scratch?
1: That's right I mean the Students Union have um, an incredible service offering one of which is a department called SU Enterprise and what they do is they support student entrepreneurs in their um, endeavours so whether that be to expand on their enterprise skills or to support them in getting funding to start up their own business or really just connecting them with mentors and professionals to help them on that journey. So I got very involved with that department when I was in final year and I was working with a team on a tech startup and I availed of all of the support. I did the Queen's Dragon's Den, I did Innovate Her, I threw myself in, got as much funding as I could as a student and really benefited from that support system to the extent then when I graduated, I went and did a bit of work for that team myself in supporting other student entrepreneurs coming up. So, let's move to Vava Influence now and and tell me how that all came about. So, when I worked in that tech startup that I referred to earlier, I met uh, Chloe, who was on the team at the time and there were a team of five of us and she was a similar age and we had similar interests and she had been on board to that team as a bit of a a marketing and, and content person because she was blogging at the time. And so... As I say, because we were similar age and had similar interests, she started taking me along to gigs and work and events with her. And my eyes were totally opened to this whole new world of social media influencing and blogging. And it struck me, going to these events and these jobs, how casual and informal these exchanges were. And I remember going to a job with her one day and um, she was given something for free in exchange to get content. And I suppose it was just very shocking to me at how informal the whole thing was. You know, there were no contracts, there were no um it was there was no professionalism really, and I suppose at that stage, I just spotted a gap in the market for an agent to manage these deals and collaborations for somebody not just to do a bit of p r and a bit of social media and to work with these people on the side but to actually do it in a dedicated way where that was the sole focus. And so that's really how Vava Influence came to be with uh, Chloe's creativity and background in social media influencing and my business background. And uh, I suppose all those skills I had learned growing up, I was able to then put into this business in a more practical way.
0: So you really had a light bulb moment just from observing and watching and seeing there's a need out there. So, how easy was it to sell
1: that to, to people? To be honest, easier than I I thought it would be. I feel like it was just very good timing, and a, a lot of people will tell you that in business, it's kind of a combination of luck and timing and action. So, uh, I when I saw the the business owner that day, I thought, you know, he's a young guy, but there are bound to be so many other business owners who have heard about influencers, have heard that they are a good thing to. It's a it's a it's a good thing to do. I mean, the whole influencer marketing thing, it was a bit of a buzzword at the time. But they probably just have no idea how to go about it. They don't know how to contact these people, they don't know what to pay them, they don't know what to expect, and they need somebody to speak their language. And of course, that language I knew from, you know, being around my dad all those years and I suppose I started with my dad as a bit of a target and I was able to expand from there and when we started up the business and we told people about what we were doing there was a real immediate interest and people just got it they were like great I've wanted to do this for a while and now uh, there's someone here who can help me along so that's kind of where we started and, and we've grown from there.
0: And I'm just thinking there are so many people have sat right where you are now telling me about going into that whole world they maybe have a business that sells beds or rugs or all sorts of things and they've Dip their toe into the influencer market and some have had that toe very badly burnt and then others have, have found it great but you know just if, if people are tuning in now and thinking well what could Vava Influence do for me as a business first of all tell me about the services
1: that you offer and if they picked up the phone what would they get? Well When you pick up the phone to me and you say that you want to do some influencer marketing, I'll spend a lot of time getting to understand you and your business and your objectives, whether they be uh, lead generation or whether that be brand awareness. And we will work with you to put a strategy in place to pair you with the best people for your brand, the best people that have the correct audience that relates to the target consumer of the business. And we'll lay out a campaign that we believe is best going to suit those objectives in line with the content that this influencer can create. The view is that this influencer will produce content that will engage their audience and that this audience will have an interest in your business and what it is offering and um, I suppose go from there in terms of getting in touch with them. So as I say there are a few different objectives um, but really we'll work very hard to understand what this business needs and what they need to get out of it and we'll put a strategy in place in line with content and the influencer to make sure those objectives are met. And what benefits for those
0: who are just not convinced yet what are the benefits to businesses who actually take on an influencer?
1: Well influencer marketing shouldn't work in isolation it should work in tandem with your you know social media channels your digital marketing all the other marketing you're kind of doing around that and so we look at it as another uh, component of the marketing mix, and so you're really complementing the the strategy you have the you know that already exists. So you can expect different things when you when you work with influencers, and as I say, that very much depends on what you're hoping to get out of it and and your objectives. But there's a there's a lot of things we can sort of um you know offer, whether that be the the brand awareness piece you can reach. A very engaged audience and you can have that great opportunity to get somebody they trust to tell them about your brand. Uh, you can benefit from the content that the influencer produces to then take and repurpose, whether that be to post on your own social media channels or whether that be to put into paid ads. And then there's obviously that advocacy piece. So the best fit influencer relationships come to light when you find an influencer that actually is already a user of your product and a fan of your brand. And they're the best people to approach about a collaboration because then you can say, right, let's work together. You know, have you told your followers about our business before? Um, You know, can you maybe tell them about how you benefit from it or what you really like about this? And I suppose we only work with influencers and we only place them with businesses if they actually do really love that brand. Um, Because at the end of the day influencers followers really trust them and they really trust their mm-hmm. opinion and that comes from a place of authenticity and without authenticity influencer marketing does not work so. and that's become a big thing I mean th- there are a lot more checks in place and now on
0: Instagram you'll see if something is 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 a paid you know endorsement which I think was important for people really because it had got to the stage that you were seeing all of these people and they just all seem to be going to the same hotels doing the same things eating in the same restaurants or whatever but And everything was amazing and everything was fantastic. But I think we just lost that authenticity piece. As as you said, people were going, oh, for goodness sake, they're being paid to say that. So how do you get that right now to make sure they're not just being paid to say that?
1: So we'll only set up an influencer relationship with a business if we believe that um, it makes sense. You know, has the business trialed, has has the influencer trialed out this product or service before? Um, I mean, we'll never be in a position where we're saying, <clears throat> go to that restaurant and we'll pay you to say it's great generally in that sort of sense you would gift them the meal and they would have the opportunity to review it mm-hmm. now if you gift an influence or something they're technically under no obligation to actually post any content about it Ah, oh, that's interesting I see. so the point is that the quality and the quantity of the content will depend on the experience that they have had whether they really love it or whether they don't now There is also the sponsor strategy wherein you pay an influencer to produce content but you wouldn't get to that stage unless they have been gifted the thing first to make sure that they like it, to make sure they appreciate it, to make sure that they actually believe in it and are willing to put out that content to their audience. You'll find now influencers will not just do work if they've been paid for it. They will turn down paid work all the time if they don't think it's a good fit for them, if they don't think their audience will engage with the content because at the end of the day they are also putting their credibility at risk. So as you say now, there there are advertising standards and the ASA do a brilliant job in enforcing those and they make sure that every content that is put out, whether that be a gifted or a paid collaboration, it is labelled and that is a really good thing and and sometimes you get business owners questioning that. They're saying, well, you know, I don't want people to know that this influencer has been paid to say this, but actually it doesn't really make a difference to the consumer or so I find. I mean, at the end of the day, if I see my favourite influencer wear a really nice jumper. I'm not just going to buy that influ- that jumper because she's wearing it. I'm buying the jumper because I like the jumper, and that might be the first time I've seen that jumper in that brand.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Granite Legal Services, a niche business and immigration law practice located in the heart of Newry City. Granite Legal Services provides legal advice to both individuals and companies alike across a wide range of industries from employment, commercial or corporate law matters to immigration law. Granite Legal Services focuses on providing legally sound, practical advice to its clients. To get in touch, visit www.granitelegalservices.co.uk or contact 028 3026 2200. So tell me about sort of getting all of the influencers signed up because you are effectively an agency. That matchmaking has to happen, but you need a bank of people. So tell me how you grew that bank of people.
1: So we actually work a little bit differently to a traditional agency. And to be transparent, that portfolio model is something when we started, we believed that we would follow through with. However, as we grew the business and as we talked to such diverse business owners, we realised that actually the best way for us to to do this was going to be to grow our network of influencers so we started with the contacts we had the contacts that Chloe had and we worked with them to to best fit to best pair them with businesses however we broke away from that typical portfolio model because then we realized actually all we're doing is limiting ourselves limiting them limiting the business owners in terms of who they can work with so now what we prefer to do is if whether we're approached by a fashion boutique in Uri or whether we're approached by a restaurant in London we can pair them up with the best people based on this large network that we've grown and how we grew that well as I say we started with the contacts we had and the more we worked with them the more collaborations we did the more we reached out to new people the more then people found out about us and it was a bit of a network effect and so we're very fortunate now to be in the position where we have a certain reputation that if we approach a certain influencer about a job, they've likely heard about us or they've seen our credibility online and they know that we are a trusted partner for them which is great because we pride ourselves on being very influencer friendly we want to make sure we get the best deal for everybody want to make sure that the business owner gets a really good deal equally we want to make sure that the influencer is fairly remunerated for their work and appreciated by their clients so that's where we step in
0: what's been the biggest challenge for you getting this off the ground
1: it's an interesting one because we started mid-covid i mean we started up in in may 2020 and I, I do get asked about this quite often. That we were quite lucky in that um, there was an opportunity for us there and that the whole world went online. Businesses realised they need to up their social media game. Equally, um, consumers were online shopping. They were consuming more and more content. The rise yeah. of TikTok <laughs> came about. And so we found ourselves coping with a lot of inbound leads at that time. I also had more time than I would have had before to work on the business and, and grow it from my kitchen table which I did um but equally there there were so many challenges and I think that just comes with being a new entrepreneur you kind of learn as you go and that's very reflective of me I sort of action things Before I really even know What I'm doing um, <laughs> in, in general life
0: but Is that okay? I mean it, You're being proactive You're just going with things Rather than Maybe people who are More risk averse and, and taking time
1: Yeah and I mean I say I didn't know What I was doing Of course I did I had lots of experience And I was I, I already kind of Knew a lot about the industry And had a lot of knowledge there um, But it's about Taking the leap Before you maybe Feel fully ready And while that was so beneficial in so many ways that you know we got it off the ground and got it running we had challenges like you know are we pricing ourselves well enough um you know are we offering this too cheap and I feel like sometimes as women we tend to mm-hmm, undervalue ourselves definitely. quite often so pricing I find quite hard to get right um we had challenges with um events we had planned to be a massive part of our business of course with COVID and lockdown that didn't happen so much. Now we're facing the challenge where when we come out of lockdown everyone was super keen for events and you know we got massive uplift but now people nearly have a bit of event fatigue so we're struggling with that a little bit now. Ooh, um, is that a
0: thing, event fatigue? You think people are, oh gosh, we went to so many there when we came out
1: of lockdown that we're... Well, now I, I not just feel like, you know, the world's back to normal, but people aren't necessarily feeling that they have the same energy to go to everything they went to before.
0: Mm.
1: Um, you know, they're obviously really keen to get back out there again, but there's so much on now and we're so lucky to live in, you know, a place where there, there is so much on all the time and we have so many options, but we do find that people aren't as excited to kind of go to all of the events of the day now. Um, I suppose it's
0: just about evolving, isn't it, Francesca? It's about seeing what the need is at the time. And we learned that word pivot, didn't we, during COVID? And there's not a business out there that didn't have to do something to pivot and, and meet and change. And so many really benefited from that time to do that. Uh, so, you know, where do, where do you go
1: next then? Yeah, so... We kicked off a lot of big projects last year. Uh, so the first being Northern Ireland's first ever pop-up TikTok house. Yes. Uh, Tell was us that, about this. Yeah. So we, so we have, we even, well, you mentioned TikTok, but you know, I'm still
0: not on TikTok. Is that where you have to be or just certain people?
1: Well, we would say it's definitely, uh, obviously, it, it's grown hugely over the last year or so. And I think if you're a business now, especially if you're targeting consumers really anywhere between the ages of 18 and 40, you really should be on TikTok. Um <clears throat> But last year we saw an opportunity to run this project, which was the Vava Club. And essentially we got uh, some of Ireland's top creators together for a week in a house to create content with one another and visit local businesses and sort of experience all that Northern Ireland had to offer. So that was a great project for us. And now we're looking into bringing that into 2023 and exploring what that's going to look like. So how did that work then for the businesses and, and the creators? So as a creator... It's really beneficial for you to collaborate with other creators. Uh, you're both producing content together and that's obviously really exciting for both of your followers. So they had the opportunity to meet one another after a period of lockdown and, and create content, which is uh, great creatively and also for their own platforms too.
0: And did they all stay in this house? It's uh-huh. like the Big Brother house kind of thing? Yeah,
1: they, they all stayed in two beautiful newly developed taken Homes. Oh, goodness. Um, so it was a great week for them and loads of fun and and part of what contributed to to that fun uh, was getting the involvement of local businesses who hosted them and um, had them you know at for example We Are Vertigo and Down Making Giants Basalt Rock Gin and and Yeah, there there were loads of incredible local businesses that got involved. And And everybody went to, all the creators went together? They all went together.
0: Wow. And they all created
1: content around these businesses and and showed their followers what they were up to, which was great for an exposure point of view for the businesses, of course, as well.
0: Gosh, so that was really exciting. And was there much interest around it? I did see that myself on social media, but uh, not being on TikTok, I obviously missed out on all the fabulous uh, imagery that, that came from that week. What will you do next then with that?
1: Well, to be confirmed, we're still kind of exploring what that'll look like. But I feel like being the first one, we really benefited from that kind of first mover advantage last year. I mean, from what we could count, we got four million impressions over social media alone. And that wasn't including the national TV coverage or press coverage. So, I mean, it really was fabulous. So
0: TV coverage as well. Mm-hmm. So who yeah. covered who covered it? UTV so came, came down on to
1: Notts Corner Circuit and uh, videoed the... Um, the creators racing around the track and uh, also interviewed a couple of them as well uh, about the opportunity. So that was a, a lovely experience for me. It was my TV debut, I think.
0: Brilliant. <laughs> that was great. I didn't see that one. I'll have to look it up. Uh, so that is the Vava Club. And you, you mentioned then that the events had kind of, you know, obviously uh, were, were quietening down, but you did have a massive awards as well and and they were hugely popular.
1: Yeah, uh, we, we had the idea to do uh ireland's first dedicated influencer awards so as i say you know in the past influencers have been massively incorporated into the kind of social media and pr worlds mm-hmm. um as a bit of an add-on whereas we thought you know they really deserve their own space to have a dedicated awards and we held them in the europa last september and celebrated local content creators that both north and south of th- north and south of the border and um it it was a great night, and um, our sponsors really loved it, and the creators got the recognition they deserved, and yeah, we were hugely part of that one. So again, that's something we're we're looking into for twenty twenty three.
0: So tell me about you and Chloe and working together as that partnership. Um, must be fabulous to have two heads sometimes, but you know, do you do you find yourselves going in different directions
1: as well? Well, as I mentioned earlier, Chloe and I are very lucky in that we were actually business partners first. I find that sometimes if you get into business with friends or family, it can be a little bit more difficult to navigate that relationship. However, it's been easier for Chloe and I because we have very clear boundaries in that. And so we come together and we're great friends. We socialize together and and we do loads of fun things. Equally, we then have that very defined business relationship. And why Chloe and I work so well is because she went to art college and did fine art and I went to business school. You know, we're very different in that sense. She is super creative. She has amazing ideas and she really contributes that side of the business massively. However... I am very administrative, I'm logistical, I am quite boring, some would probably say. Aww. But we, we both work together really well in that sense that I couldn't do what she does and she could not do what I do. And so I think that is the makings of a, a really brilliant partnership when you actually couldn't do it without one another. Um, it helps that we obviously go on great too. So um, yeah, it's, it's working well um, for the meantime. Why do some influencers get a bad name and a bad press? I mean, sometimes you have to be quite um, definite about about what being an influencer really means. It means somebody with influence, right? And sometimes influencers can fall into the trap of working with a business that's maybe not quite the right fit or they're maybe really keen for a piece of work that might not necessarily agree with their audience. So they have this influence over the people that follow them. And you obviously al- always want that to be a, a positive influence. But there are some businesses that potentially some influencers work with that um might not be as ethically or morally sound or I suppose might not appeal to, you know, the audience they're they're trying to influence. So there, there can come kind of issues with that but and I suppose that shows that, that where,
0: uh, you know it seems like anybody can be an influencer you can just start from scratch and just have visibility online and, and build it from there is is that fair?
1: Well that's kind of what I was talking about when I said about the definition of an influencer yeah. anyone can be popular yeah, and anyone can have a following but not everybody has influence and that's why you know we work with people who have started from scratch and built up a following that actually really trusts them and believes that they're authentic and these people that produce kind of genuine content and have that relationship and I suppose relationship is the key word in mm-hmm. influencer marketing. Businesses need to grow relationships with influencers because influencers have spent years growing relationships with their followers. I've actually heard too,
0: um, I've been working a lot with the, with the charity in the third sector and you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now, and a lot of issues out there that uh, you know we need to we need to reach young people around mental health. I attended a conference this week on on sexual abuse. You know, there's lots of there's lo- lots of people growing up with maybe unhealthy relationships or ideas of how the world should be, and they were talking at that about how we need to be talking to these young people using influencers for good is that something that you you know we've we've talked very much about this business head and and selling effectively but where do you see sort of influencing for good for change
1: for a better world i would say now the majority of influencers we work with are influencing for good you know there's no one i don't follow that's not putting out fantastic content that's talking about body positivity and talking about positive mental health and well-being practices and being kind to one another i mean Some people hear influencers and roll their eyes and it kills me because actually the influencers I follow and the influencers we work with are doing incredible things in the charity sectors in terms of mental health. We did an event with Queen's last year that um, brought three local influencers onto a panel to talk about how you can maintain positive mental health while you're online in an online space because we know it can be quite a high pressure environment sometimes. But from their experience, we got them to talk about, you know, well, how can you be positive online and how can you be mindful of the content you consume? And I think that's really key. Um, But I mean, people now online, they, they are quite choosy about what they consume, which is a really good thing because influencers now, they're aware of that and they know that they need to be careful in what they put out they don't want to be encouraging any bad practices but also they they want to be putting lots of positivity out into the world and influencing those younger people that follow them to um you know do good things and be good people and yeah
0: and all the digital safeguarding uh, messages are are around do you feel that more charities third sector organizations should maybe give you a call is that something that you
1: could help with as well yes absolutely um And I suppose in that sense, we would really help them to establish relationships with influencers that would be a really good fit for them. Mm. You know, obviously, each charity is very specific to their work. So it's about finding the best fit influencer that has um, a background or a passion or an affiliation with the work that that charity is trying to do.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: What's next then, Francesca, for Vava Influence? So... This year we want to really continue with uh, doing brilliant collaborations, we want to uh, help businesses to get their names out there and uh, work with influencers that are are really great for their business. We want to uh, continue to teach businesses and train them in the practice of influencer marketing and also social media more generally. Whether that be TikTok or Instagram for Business, you know, really helping them to uh, step up their game and and be in a level playing field with their competitors. We also then want to run another TikTok house, we want to run another awards, and I suppose we just want to make sure that we're always producing really high quality work and getting the best deal we can for the businesses we work with and also the influencers too. Um, I'm really passionate about Northern Ireland and what's going on here, and I feel sometimes bad that we are seen as a bit behind the curve in terms of what's happening over in in London and so on. So I think Chloe and I are really keen that we try and keep up as best we can with what's happening over there and really bring that over to Northern Ireland and and get people involved.
0: You very much um,
1: found the need, that light bulb
0: moment that you had whenever you were out with Chloe that time a number of years ago. There was a need there, there was a market there, you've gone after it. What usually happens then is other people go, hmm, we could do that too. What about the competition?
1: I mean there can be a tendency for some businesses in similar industries to have that spirit of competition and, you know, really want to compete against each other. And and that's great and I completely support that. However, I suppose in the PR and, and social media space there, there's enough for all of us and Chloe have always been of the opinion that we'd much rather collaborate and we have done that the entire way throughout our business you know we've collaborated with other people in the space we have brilliant relationships in the industry especially in Belfast and we work actually with our competitors to best service both of our clients and we love that. Um, as I'm as I've mentioned the whole w- way throughout this interview our industry it is all about relationships. With businesses, with influencers, and with our competitors too, there's absolutely no reason why we can't collaborate and produce really good work, and um, you know make sure that we're we're all getting the best out of it for for everyone. Now, building a business
0: takes hard work. You were brought up in a family that knows exactly what hard work is. But do you get any downtime at all? What do you like to do when you switch off?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm a firm believer that we need to very much step away from this um, burnout and hustle culture. And I really hate all that rhetoric. So I I work really hard, I really do, but I try to be as effective and as productive as I can be within the hours of nine to six. Um, When something requires me to go over and above, I absolutely will. I'll work till whatever hours of the morning but I actually try and avoid that I just try and be as productive as I, as I can in the hours where I know I work really well which which is the hours of nine to five Monday to Friday and yes you know we work weekend events all the time but I am very aware that I am going to be the most effective when I'm well rested and there's no point in tiring my, myself out and, and working over and above just to be really tired the next day I mean these entrepreneurs that you see talking about all these hours that they work online you need to think then well how consistent are they in that you know if they're working 14 hours a day every single day how long is that really going to last before then they have to take an extended period of rest so I feel like if you can be effective in a reasonable amount of hours and keep that consistent then you're going to be uh, much better off in the long run.
0: I agree totally. I think nine to six is plenty of work for anyone in a day. Now, the final question that I ask to every single guest that sits right where you are, Francesca, is this one. The purpose of this podcast is to inspire existing business owners and ambitious entrepreneurs to grow their business by offering an insight into the success of businesses such as Vava Influence. So what advice would you give to people who may have a business idea but have no idea where to begin
1: or are unsure as to whether the risk is worth taking? So, as I mentioned earlier, I work a lot with uh, student entrepreneurs at, at Queen's and a lot of them come to me with these big ideas and they're incredible. But sometimes I feel like they go from zero to 100 and they sort of forget about all those little steps they can take in between. So, when they come to me and they're talking about this world-changing idea, I'm like, okay, great, um, have you set up a social media profile? And they're like, no. <laughs> well, you know, there's there's lots of little things you can do to actually put this into motion and, and make it a reality. Have you told your friends and family about it? Have you explored funding options? Have you um, investigated a prototype and what that might cost? Have you looked at suppliers? They need to break it down into the first five steps instead of thinking about step 53. And I see that all the time. Uh, so start thinking about practical, small and non-scary things that you can do to put this idea out into the world and then all of a sudden you turn around and you've done 20 things and actually this is looking a lot more realistic now and, and something that could actually be a thing. Um, so that would be the first part of advice I would give is you know not to jump to step 100 but think about all those little things first and, and start doing them It can be very scary and it can be very intimidating but actually there's some things you can do on that journey that you won't find so scary and so intimidating but actually will contribute to your overall goal so start with that. In terms of taking a risk, I believe that you should always kind of go for for what you want to do and and do always take action and and try and make something work. You don't necessarily have to do that and give up everything else at the same time. You can take risks and, and go for something meanwhile not give up everything else that you were doing before so it's all about being calculated in your risks and making sure that you're not uh, putting yourself in a a, a dangerous position
0: yeah you don't want to be vulnerable so keep a few plates spinning perhaps and see see what sticks francesca morelli it has been fabulous to meet you uh francesca morelli our guest today from Vava influence and if you want to get in
1: touch with francesca what can people do They can find us on Instagram, uh, social media, Vava Influence, or uh, they can send us an email. Our email is info at vavainfluence.com. Fascinating. Thank you so much, Francesca, and thanks for tuning in today.
0: Join me very shortly for another fantastic episode of the Public Eye podcast. This podcast was recorded in Granite Podcast Studio. Interested in starting up your own podcast but don't know how?